I'm not afraid. Are you? The Watchman Speaks discusses biblical solutions to modern-day dilemmas. I'll tell you the truth, even if it's not what you want to hear. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. I pray you listen. Welcome to The Watchman Speaks. I'm your host, Lonnie Richardson. You know, I grew up on a farm where we raised a lot of livestock. I've logged a lot of hours sitting on a horse, and I've punched more than a few cows in my time. However, today I'm going to punch some sacred cows that need to be directed or redirected on both sides of the aisle. It's June, and we all know what that means. It's Gay Pride Month, and we all know that it's Gay Pride Month because everywhere we turn, we are reminded that it's Gay Pride Month. Question. What are gay people so proud of? What is it they are so proud of that it demands a month-long celebration that is so intrusive on everyone else? Obviously, they are proud of their sexuality. However, pride is not necessarily a good thing. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 18 and 19 read, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Now, does that sound like anything that resembles what we are seeing during Gay Pride Month today? I think so. I believe that those two verses contain much wisdom that should be considered by the gay community and especially the Christian community. Why do I say that? Pride is a precursor to destruction. And a haughty spirit, because of stumbling, runs to some degree alongside pride. At some point in time, there is a fall that's coming. That's a warning to the LGBTQ community. When the driving force behind your existence is sex or your sexuality, you have been led astray from the Word of God. However, Christian, you should be especially aware of the it is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud part. What does that mean? That means that you do not allow yourself to come flustered or overwhelmed by emotions. You do not enter into discussion or debate from the position of pride in being a Christian. You do not allow yourself to be drawn into the ridiculous banter of name-calling, backbiting, Venom dripping off the tongue, judgment. When you do so, you are dividing the spoil of the proud. No, your position, Christian, is one of humility, love, and genuine concern. Am I saying that you should compromise the word of God? May it never be. However, I am genuinely amazed at how ill-prepared most Christians are in conveying the gospel in the face of what is oftentimes open hostility. Your witness and testimony are to be protected and maintained to the highest standard. Far too many times, 
I have seen well-meaning Christians sliced and diced by members of the LGBTQ community for attempting to share the gospel of Jesus Christ when they are exceedingly ill-prepared to do so. Just as often, I have seen emotions flare on both sides of the aisle, resulting in bitter resentment on both parties. That is not necessary. Now, I want to be perfectly clear. I'm not here to bash gay people or the transgender people. I'm not here to pardon, support, or condone their practices and conduct either. Do I agree with their lifestyle? No. I do not advocate for, nor do I condone their lifestyle. I am convinced that God sees that lifestyle as an abomination. I do not compromise on that issue. However, I'm not here to bash anyone either, nor am I here to pronounce judgment upon them. I'm here to express the love of Christ to them by telling them the truth. The same I will say to you as well, Christian. Jesus said, If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. You'll find that in the book of John, chapter 12, verse 47. But verse 48 tells the rest of the story. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who will judge him. The word that I spoke is what will judge him in the last day. I know and I have known a lot of gay people over the years, men and women. For the most part, they are courteous and respectful people. Most are nicer than a lot of people I'd meet at church. I'm just saying. But they claim to be gay, and I know them to be gay. And they know that I am a believer who is knowledgeable about my faith in God's Word. Sometimes they ask questions, and I give them answers. But I do not condemn, nor do I attempt to shame them. They respect me, I respect them. We get along. They are adults, and they have made their choice. And although it saddens me, and I pray for them, it is still their choice. I have shared God's word, and they can accept it or not. It is their choice. But there is no blood on my hands. But now here's where I do run into problems with the LGBTQ community. The question on my mind is not whether drag queens should be allowed into public schools to entertain our children. The question on my mind is why do drag queens desire an audience of children? Another question on my mind is why our school board officials, elected officials, and teachers, employees employed by elected officials in some regions so inclined to furnish drag queens with an audience of our children without asking parents. I cannot abide by that. I cast my vote elsewhere. You may do as you choose. Nor do I adhere to the demands that I should consider using pronouns differently than in any other way than I already use them. I'm a Southerner, and I have difficult enough time speaking the English language without any additional confusion. I don't understand the need. If someone needs me or anyone else to validate their stance so that they can feel good about themselves, I have to ask the question, is their stance worth validating? Let's see. I am a white, heterosexual, conservative, Christian, more than middle-aged male. In some way, it seems that I offend some parcel of society by being any one of those things. 
I don't need validation from anyone to be more certain of who or what I am. I am very secure in all that I am. I do not need nor do I desire anyone else's approval. If you think being a white, heterosexual, conservative, Christian, older man is a walk in the park where everyone loves you, then come walk in my shoes for a few weeks. It just ain't so. But I don't bemoan the facts to the world either. Another thing that I cannot understand is how the LGBTQ keeps adding letters to their moniker. It is now LGBTQIA+. I'm amazed even more still at the lengths in which people will go to become part of a sexual minority and then bemoan the fact that the attention they receive is not the attention that they wanted. Are these new sexualities just suddenly emerging out of nowhere? Is it an illness process? Or is it a means of seeking attention? One more thing that I take a firm stance against is when the LGBTQIA plus steps up to the plate and claims that the agenda that they are promoting is fully sanctioned in God's word. Hear me, LGBTQIA+. I am not speaking to you to condemn you, nor from a position of hatred, disgust, or pride. I am speaking from a position of truth and concern. You do not get to take objective truth in objective context, written with objective intent, and make it subjective to meet your rhetoric, ideology, or narrative. You do not get to redefine words in the Bible to meet your desires. You do not get to take scripture and twist it into a weapon to defend your stance. It doesn't work that way. God does not, nor will he ever, bend his knee to you. At some point in time, you will bend your knee before God. But hear me, Christian. This is where Christians are ill-prepared to share the gospel and become totally overwhelmed and frustrated. What do I mean by that? Know that the LGBTQ community is not stupid, nor are they lazy. They have studied you. They have searched for and identified triggers to confuse you and throw you off. They have looked in the Bible to find ways that they can substantiate their claims where they are correct in that the Bible sanctions their lifestyle and that you are a very poor Christian who is not living up to the standard that you claim to uphold. You need examples? Leviticus chapter 18 verse 22 reads, You are not to lie with a man as with a woman. That is an abomination. According to LGTBQ, it does not say that a man should not lie with another man as with a woman. According to LGBTQ, this verse pertains to pedophilia and has nothing to do with homosexual acts. The trouble is that the Hebrew word zalham means man. If that doesn't work, well then let's change the definition of abomination. Abomination is not so bad as it merely attains to being unclean. If the unclean stance is adhered to, then they place their righteousness within the realm of the law. And the only way to be cleansed is with the ashes of a red heifer, and there hasn't been a red heifer sacrificed in over 2,000 years. And if there were a red heifer, it's doubt that the Jewish folk would allow the ashes to be spread on all the homosexuals of the land. 
It is not an arena that I would want to play in. Sodom and Gomorrah? Sodom and Gomorrah were not destroyed because of homosexuality. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because they didn't help the poor and needy. It says so in Ezekiel 16:49. Although it be out of context, that reads, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters that were abundant food and careless ease, but she did not help the poor and needy. I guess they didn't read Genesis 19, 1 through 11. Paul. They disclaim Paul. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, or effeminate, or homosexuals. Or 1 Timothy 1, 10. And immoral men, homosexuals, kidnappers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. Well, all that stuff that Paul talked about isn't what he meant. Paul didn't have the understanding of gender that we have today. Really. Christian, do not compromise the word of God. LGBTQ groups are known for making demands. Last week, LGBTQ groups demanded to target restock pride merchandise in their stores online, stating that showing support for their community was good business, in spite of Target's $13 billion in losses. LGBTQ issued a three-part demand, demanding that Target put the pride merchandise back on the store shelves and online, ensure the safety of Target's employees, and issue a statement reaffirming Target's commitment to the LGBTQ community within 24 hours. Thus far, I have not seen or heard where those demands have been met. Here's the funny thing. Target's employees, people who are attempting to make a living, are in danger of losing their jobs because of major losses. It would seem to me that they need protection from LGBTQ's demands. However, LGBTQ wants them to think that committing that their cause, whatever that is, is good business. Well, evidently it ain't so. The LGBTQ community is not concerned about the loss of profits or economic damage. They are concerned about advancing their narrative or their agenda. Target has felt the bite of commitment to the LGBTQ. So have several other major corporations. It was seen that America has had enough. LGBTQ shoving their agenda down their throat and have closed their wallet in protests. All of this prior to or within the first week of Pride Month. What is it that the Bible said? Pride comes before destruction. And it appears to me the companies, and I mean large nationwide companies, that have supported the Pride are self-imploding. I'd suggest that the LGBTQ pull their capital and resources, open their own chain of stores, and sell their products. That would be fair trade. And if it's good business, it should profit them enough to further their agenda. Now let me shift to the other side of the aisle. Christian, hear me clearly. You can point to the gay, transgender community and declare, that's sin, and you'd be correct. But do you know what they'll say? They'll say, yeah, so is gossiping, fornication, adultery, embezzlement, misappropriation of funds, and the list goes on and on. You know what? They would be correct. Hear me, Christian. 
This is where that greasy grace I talked about last week comes into play. If you didn't hear that warning, go back and listen to it. It'll do you good. So Christian, if you're living in conscious, repetitive, habitual sin, then you're no better than those who you point fingers at and accuse. There, I said it. I'm not taking it back either. You'll be told, you can't judge me. And they would be correct. They're not within the church. God's word judges them, and it judges you, your actions, and your reactions as well. You'll hear, so much for loving your neighbor, you failed. Do you love them when you point that finger with venom dripping off your tongue and pronounce judgment? Or do you love them enough to merely tell them the truth of God's word with sincere concern for them? Now don't misunderstand me. I'm not advocating nor am I condoning their actions or lifestyle. When you challenge their lifestyle, whether it be in a genuinely concerned manner or not, be prepared because chances are they'll have an answer and they'll shoot the challenge back at you. As I've mentioned, they'll have a rebuttal that makes sense, at least to them. Chances are you're probably not going to like the rebuttal. Chances are their rebuttal is a direct attempt to discredit you and your stance. I'm not saying that it'll be a biblically correct answer, but they'll have an answer. Can you control your emotion and frustration and anger? Do you know God's word well enough to defend it accurately? If not, let it be. You'll do more harm than good, and you'll cut the throat of your own testimony in the process. And it doesn't matter if you're speaking to LGBTQIA+, or someone in the church. Pull that log out of your eye before you attempt to remove a splinter from anyone else. In other words, sweep your doorstep clean and maintain a clean doorstep. And then you'll hear the answer about how loving and forgiving Jesus is. Jesus is love, and he is. Jesus forgives and he wouldn't condemn anyone. Well, is that right and just? Let's look at what he told some of the churches in Revelation. Now, when I go into this, I want everyone to listen. Not just the LGBTQ, but Christian, you'd better listen close. To the church at Thyatira, the good part. I know your deeds and your love and faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than the first. That sounds good the bad, but I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, and she teaches and leads my bondservants astray so that they commit acts of immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Here's the mercy. I gave her a chance to repent. She does not want to repent of her immorality. Here's the ugly. Behold, I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of her deeds. And I will kill her children with pestilence, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches the minds and hearts, and I will give to each one of you according to your deeds. Here's the beautiful part. But I say to you, the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold to this teaching, who have not known the deep things of Satan, as they call them, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast until I come. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. 
and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of the potter are broken into pieces, as I also have received authority from my father, and I will give him the morning star. Let's look at this woman, Jezebel, who claims to be a prophetess. In the Old Testament, Jezebel was queen who was a follower of Baal and Ashtoreth, or Ishtar, a Babylonian goddess. She was a proud goddess who was rebellious even towards the other gods. She was a goddess of war, sexual aberrance, drinking, rage. In the Chronicles of Gilgamesh, an ancient Babylonian text, she is accredited with saying, I am a beautiful young woman. I am a noble young man. She changed genders. Her temples were served by male priests who served as temple prostitutes and female priestesses who also served as prostitutes. In her realm of influence, every woman under the rule of her domain was required to prostitute herself at least once in the temple. I remind you that this message to Thyatira was a message to the church. This influence was within the church, much like some churches today have compromised and bent to the demands of LGBTQ. He who repents and resists these teachings will receive the morning star, Jesus himself. Let's move on to another church. To the church at Sardis, here's the bad. I know your deeds that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember that you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. It's good. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. Here's the promise. He who overcomes this will be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. What are the things that are about to die that need strengthened? What are the incomplete deeds that need to be finished? Sardis' church that was asleep, she was unaware of what was going on around her. Sardis was a church that was apathetic. God tells them to wake up. They needed a trumpet blast or a blast of the shofar. They were operating as if they were alive, but their operations were confined within the walls of a church building in which they met. The things that were about to die were things that God said that he actually meant. For those who do not wake up, Jesus is coming, and he comes at an hour that cannot be foreseen. What does that mean? Well, what does it mean when a thief comes at an unforeseen hour? I'll leave that where it lays. And what does it mean when it says, He who overcomes will be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. Is it possible that Jesus can erase one's name from the book of life? What does it say? I'll leave that where it lays. It has not been my intent to run down or disgrace anyone in the gay community said it before I'll say it again if the driving force in your life is sex or your sexuality then you have been led astray from the word of God 
If you are fine with that, so be it. I'll admit that I do not to any extent understand the transgender community, other than they have been deceived to the extent of delusion. Gender dysphoria is a diagnosis. Diagnoses require treatment for the diagnosis, for the diagnosis is ill-benefiting. They're not getting the treatment they need, which I personally believe is a spiritual deficit. I have genuine concerns, and I pray for them. My intent is not to encourage the church to be compromising or judgmental. My intent towards the church is to awaken the church to be diligent in handling God's word to the utmost degree, be faithful to that word, and to be ready to give a proper defense for the hope that should be instilled within all Christians. Truly, I say that you, you can possess a genuine concern for others without compromising God's word. Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. Those two verses are heavy in their meaning and their instruction for both sides of the aisle. Wake up, pay attention. The day of the Lord is coming. I am the old watchman, Ezekiel. You have been warned. Well, that's all for now. I thank you for your time and participation. Our time together is precious to me. Please, come and visit me at theoldwatchman.com for show notes, articles, video content, book reviews, Bible study material reviews, and Bible study methods. It's my hope and prayer that you get to know me through this podcast. Through the website at theoldwatchman.com, I can get to know you. If you like the content, consider following The Old Watchman on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. See you next time. May nothing in your life be missing. Nothing in your life be broken. Shalom.